You are listening to the Heavenly Chi podcast, episode number six. Today, we're talking to Caleb Mortensen about underutilized moxa moments in clinic. I'm Fee Gitchen. And I'm Claire Pyers. Today we're talking to Caleb Mortensen. Hi, Caleb. Hi, Claire. Hi, Fee. Hi. Uh, we're going to talk with Caleb about using moxa in the clinic, especially using moxa for disharmonies when you might not think of using moxa. Caleb and Catherine Kato and Andrew Broomfield will be teaching a moxa workshop called The Art of Traditional Japanese Acupuncture and Moxa Bustion on the 15th of May this year at the Koten Acupuncture Clinic in Carlton. The Koten Acupuncture Clinic is Caleb's clinic and you can find it at www.kotan.com.au and that's Kotan spelled K-O-T-A-N. The Heavenly Chi podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and professional development. Show notes and continuing professional development resources are found at www.heavenlychipodcast.com. You can add Heavenly Chi Podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook. All links are in the show notes. We hope you enjoy today's show. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to you, Caleb. Thanks for joining us. That's great to join you. Wonderful. So uh, we're going to have this chat with Caleb about Moxa, and one of the interesting things that he said to us in our prep is about learning about the intrinsic nature of moxa and to expand our view of this herb that can be applied in so many ways. So I wanted to ask you about that, Caleb, just to get started. Uh, what is the intrinsic nature of moxa? Well, actually, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I, I think we all really know that moxa is great in acting as a warming agent. Uh, but of course we're looking at it as a tool and as a plant as well. Uh, as a plant, it's quite, uh, it's quite a particular uh, weed, really. Uh, Artemisia, there's some like 500 varieties of it, and uh, the one that we use, uh, and look, it, it just grows really well in really harsh environments. As a, as a dry, sort of punk, as, as a, the mock of wool, feel it in your hands, it's already sort of quite warm and soft and really quite invitingly pliable. But actually it requires a, a really particular touch to work with it. And uh, this is due to it so it's sort of like it's soft uh, absorbent fibers. So your hands have to be dry when you when you're working with it. If you've got all got sweaty hands, we all know that sort of ruins the moxa. So when we're talking about nature of moxa, it's really, uh, it's not just the moxa, but it's how we're using it in the clinic. And, uh, and, and we're using it as a tool, we're using it to, to, to strengthen the yang, we're also using it to strengthen the yin chin, aren't we? Mm. Well, hopefully we're going to talk to you a little more about that, because I think moxa is more well known to help strengthen the yang, or to help with warming functions, or to help with moving dynamic chi function. And dispelling cold. And dispelling cold. And I guess, uh, well, for me, certainly a lot of the, um, a lot of what I was taught at school was that 
a lot of um, yin deficiency presentations would be a contraindication or at least a caution for moxa. And that's part of the reason why we thought we'd get you here today, Caleb, is because we know that there are ways of making it work for those sort of presentations. Um, there are ways, and uh, it's not a sort of right to say that it's a contraindication because at least that puts up a warning sign to say that actually if you use it in the wrong way or in the wrong, uh, the wrong context, then you're going to do damage because it's a very powerful, it's quite a powerful tool. Mm. I guess in some ways I think uh, it, it, I've come across the idea that moxa isn't quite as strong as using a needle, but my personal experience with moxa is that it's very strong and even as a practitioner I can be over moxa just through the course of moxering others during the day. So, you know, I'm wondering if you've got any tips for that as well. But I first I want to come back to this idea that, first of all, moxa can grow in a really harsh environment. Does that say anything to you about the applications that we can use moxa for? Well, it tells us that it, it, it's already sort of very hardy and quite a particular... Um, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't really want to sort of thrive in the... that you would see growing through a crack in the road like you know how you drive along the road and there's cracks in the in the asphalt in the bitumen and then there's plants growing up through that and you think wow how did that plant even <laughs> get like it just seems so unlikely that a plant would love it Maybe one of our listeners could confirm if that um, if moxia is in fact one of those plants that yes. you see. Any moxia sightings, you can report them to us <laughs> on the Facebook page in the comments. Yeah. So it gives me the, the sense then that moxia is really going to go through those cracks in the body and weave its way through, as you said, almost it will direct itself to where it's needed through finding those spaces. It does. It does have that capacity to really to be able to direct the heat uh, that comes out from the from the smouldering moxa. Uh, it's I think it's quite interesting in its uh, its ability to be able to direct the heat in different ways, give it a broad application of heat, or give it a very specific, almost needle-like thread of heat, which can drop into the deep into the skin, into the flesh. Mm. So that would be applied with different techniques then to create that? Yes, yeah, very much so. But it, it, it has that pliable nature, that, that plasticity that allows it to... Um, we have the capacity to, to really direct the heat. There's that yang heat which comes out of the moxa, mm. Sounds like the flexibility of wisdom that comes with age, and I know the moxa is also has to be aged before it's going to work as well. Well, the, the high-grade moxas, uh, they do require aging. Uh, mm. tends to be the, 
So would it be that the older moxes are more flexible for their application? They are, they are. But that's also because the older moxes, as I said, they're high grade, so there's less, less of the twigs and, and fibrous material, okay. the hard fibrous material. Uh, I have a question, and it comes back to you were saying that your hands have to be clean and dry when you're using moxa. I have such trouble when I'm using shiunku cream. It gets all over my fingers and the moxa sticks to everything. I find it so frustrating. <laughs> how does that fit into how does that fit into the theory of your hands have to be clean and dry to use moxa? <laughs> I think that's uh, it just has to be a little bit careful not to get the shiunku cream on your fingers. I always keep a tissue with me when I'm working. Uh, just to wipe the cream off my fingers uh, because a little bit will get on the tips of your fingers, especially if you're performing your right strain moxa. Yeah, totally. I've, I've tried to, um, I've, I've tried lots of different techniques, and my current um, approach is to like have the shiunku cream on my on the back of my fingernail so that in theory it's not going to be on the pad of my finger that's going to be in contact with the actual moxa. And it's working oh, okay. I'm putting the Shionko cream on in the first place. Yeah, but using my... I just use a cotton pad. Oh, there you go. Uh, I put it onto the skin. So that sounds fun. Oh, well, that just sounds far more sensible, I'm sure. I could have thought of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... We have to be practical. We really have to be practical in the clinic. And using Moxa, it's one of those tools that requires a, a degree of dexterity a level of dexterity in our hands and, and a sense of practicality as well. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. I, I don't have nearly enough um, hours of practice with moxa and if I am doing direct moxa with either rice grain or the little thread threads of moxa that um, my patients often hear me cursing under my breath about the, uh, the fiddliness yeah, I was just having a laugh listening to that because I've got the method of using my left hand for the shionko and the right hand for the moxa and then just using tissues. But I wasn't really as aware of the the, um, the energy on my hands affecting the moxa. I, I'm also thinking of things such as my energy will affect the moxa or the treatment, of course, but I wasn't thinking so specifically about my hands. Well, our hands are the point of contact between mm. ourselves and, and the patient. Uh, our hands are very important, particularly as acupuncturists. Yeah. We, it, it's that connection uh, that occurs between the doctor and the patient. Yeah, definitely, and I think about it in that uh, respect. Through the hands. And Perhaps we're more inclined to think of our hands in terms of needling, but uh, because the moxa really can bring out the sweat in our hands, that sweat, of course, we know it's an expression of uh, 
kidney, usually a kidney lung chip connection when we're trying to when we're trying to be a be doctors and uh, we can end up too much. Our own teeth can uh, come out too much into our chest and should be uh, sunk down uh, into the dunty end, shouldn't it? And when that happens, our hands are dry and we're focused just on treating the patients. We're not focused on whether or not we're rolling necessarily uh, good rice grain cones. <laughs> to that point where yeah as you say you don't even need to think about it. it's like those moments when you know you've driven home and and you get home and you think oh I don't even remember how I got home it's like there's another just a different part of your mind that's in charge of the process yeah mm. that body consciousness so let's talk a little bit more about moxifroyin deficiency and um I don't know if you are able to start with particular diagnostic signs that would help you choose MOXA as a treatment method for yin deficiency. Yeah, well, look, I'm likely to use MOXA in needling combination, both in my treatment, nonetheless. When I'm looking, I'm wondering about yin deficiency in particular, I'm going off the pulses, uh, the presentation of the body. Uh, um, of course, you know, what are the signs and symptoms? of that is based on um, point selection versus um, particular MOXA methods or particular techniques? Uh, yes, quite a lot, quite a lot. Action points are fantastic, especially for doing uh, heat perception MOXA and also needlehead MOXA, uh, um, those of you touching. The tendency of the heat perception monster, that's a very good down the, along the back, along the, the shoulders or, or down low if you want to tonify the chi. Um, because when we're looking at yin deficiency, actually as acupuncturists, we're dealing with the yin chi. So it is still a form of chi, although relatively more yang than the than the weighty or the eighty. So when we're using MOXA to treat the deficiency, what we want it to do is we want it to penetrate somewhat uh, to a deeper, we want the heat to penetrate deeper into the body to that, to a yin key level. So it's a bit 
And what type of techniques would differentiate that for you, how deep you're going to penetrate the moxa? Well, I might be, as I said, I, um, I might have a, a For a while there, I was really enjoying doing needle head moxa on the abdomen, on the hara, and perhaps uh, choosing a more common point like spleen six as well, for treating the indeficiency, so really it's sort of getting a, a strength back into into the abdomen. Um, then I took a bit of a flip, and of course uh, we tend to do this in, in the clinic, sort of we, we have a, a favourite favorite points or, or we change, change methods a lot, and I started doing a lot more needle head moxa on the lower back shoe points, and found I was getting great results with, with Mm. And it may be that the heat is still arriving in the same core center location, whether you're heating from the back or the front or a bit of both, if it is going that deeply. Yeah, it is, it is a bit of both, and it's good to be flexible in your approach as well. But usually with the indeficient patient, my needle head moxa is going to be in the lower jowl. It's going to be in the lower heart, middle or lower jowl. The idea of um, like attracting the heat to come back to Ming Men or back to the lower Dantian, is that the idea? It is, it is. It's, uh, it's also that, it's also strengthening the yin qi or yin qi and it's about anchoring the qi uh, as well, anchoring, sort of bringing that, sort of anchoring the yang qi uh, in the lower half of the body. Uh, it's good to have a warm blow and a, and a cool head above. And is there a difference for you in the way that you'd apply the moxa if the yin deficiency is more from blood deficiency or if it's from fluid deficiency or from fluid damage? Yes, yes it is somewhat. Uh, when it comes to blood deficiency, I do prefer to use the... Uh, the rice grain moxa on the point, um, and with the junior, you know, the fluid deficiency, uh, I have more tendency to the needle head moxa. Um, I'm not sure necessarily why that is. Uh, I think that's something that I read or learned a very long time ago. That perhaps I've just been following blindly. It's hard to say. Uh, sometimes we do those things, but uh, it's never seemed to be any trouble in the clinic. Mm. And so you're, it sounds like you're definitely avoiding using the heat perception moxa in these cases, is that right? Uh, well, uh, the heat perception moxa, I find that's uh, quite seasonally affected. Uh, I, I do like to use the heat perception moxa more in the summer months uh, in, or on the hot days. Uh, I really like to use the heat use a lot less in the winter um, and I think that's got to do with the fact that in summer we drain more the kidney yang and in winter we drain, uh, sorry, in summer we drain more the kidney yin and in winter we drain more the kidney yang. Um, just the, the balance of qi in the body is affected somewhat more and I do love to use the heat perception on the 
Ah, well, that was my next question. So let's talk about moxa for expelling heat. Um, are there particular diagnostic signs that would help you choose moxa as a treatment to draw out heat? Or particular types of heat? Uh, uh, unless it's really a case of someone has a viral attack and there's heat trapped in the body uh, because of a lung deficiency where there's not enough ENG to expel the heat. That, that's really, uh, that, that's, a, that's a, a very different, again, uh, in a more sort of common cases where there's symptoms of, of heat, too much of heat coming up and I feel like that heat is not radiating properly or it's, it's uh, stuck in the, in the upper jowl and the upper part of the body and I'm quite happy to use the heat perception box or there to just be really sort of get rid of that excess heat and allow so how do you observe the clearing of the heat during the treatment? What kind of changes are you looking for? Well, of course, you get the, the radiating, the redness uh, in the skin, uh, radiating around, radiating uh, from the heat perception monitor. And, of course, it's really just using your hand and feeling. So do you also watch the tongue and the pulse as you're going or? sometimes take a little while for the effects to settle in. So, for example, um, if at the end of the treatment the patient feels no change or maybe feels worse, like how, how would you know that you might need to, like how would you know that you might need to do something different or additional for that patient? what your ideas are on the pattern that the moxus smoke makes as it um, as it rises from the patient. Sometimes it comes up in a in a straight stream of smoke and other times it sort of swirls around. Is that do you have any insights or thoughts on that?
Sounds like the heavenly chi. It does I've often wondered, um, I'm just, I mean, sometimes I think maybe I'm just making this stuff up, but I guess I think about lots of different things when I'm in with patients and I'm certainly very fascinated with the patterns that the smoke makes because it seems to be that there is a difference in the level of, in perhaps the level of internal cold that the person has changes the way that the smoke rises up. Um, as opposed to someone who maybe doesn't need the moxa as much. And I guess I'm saying I'm choosing that sort of pattern because that's when I'm using, you know, big, big cones of um, moxa on, you know, Renate, for example, where I'm going to be observing the smoke for a longer period of time than I would be with any other, with any other type of approach. And that's what I tend to use moxa for. Um, Fee, have you... Do you have any theories on what the smoke is saying? Yeah, I think I do. I haven't really spoken to myself about it, but <laughs> now that you bring it up, um, I tend to experience the way the moxa smoke disperses almost as a sign of how, like how much agitation does the chi need to experience to create that movement that we're trying to make, so whether or not it's dispelling cold or or nourishing and putting warmth in or um, moving the yang chi, if it tends to blow the smoke everywhere, I feel like it was kind of a um, like a forceful effort of the body to receive that moxa, whereas if it's that thin, high-rising, I feel like it's a very peaceful um, exchange that the body's going through. It could be, or it could be your presence of mind when you roll the moxa in the first place. Mm. Um, perhaps what you uh, what you felt the patient required when you when you rolled the monster. Do you do you roll your monster on the spot or do you uh, yeah you have a pre-rolled on the spot on the spot? Yeah, perhaps uh, that that might be an element. Mm. It's very interesting. I'm not, I'm by no means a moxa rolling expert either. Some of my cones are pretty ordinary at times. <laughs> But um, possibly, um, yeah, possibly that could be a big part of what I'm what I'm observing is my own interaction with the patient. It gives it an interesting quality when you're looking at the smoke, the smoke rising up, and we know that we're using the heat sort of radiating down, sort of sinking into the body, but we can't really see the heat, can we? But we can see the smoke. It's a bit like trying to ascertain the health of the roots of a plant by looking at its branches. Uh, there's, there's a degree of reflection uh, there that can tell you, well, it's got a healthy root or it's got an uh, uh, unhealthy root by looking at the rest of the tree. Mm, so I like that idea. Yeah, we... What is uh, available, we're using what's available to us, we're using all our senses, which is, I think it's a, it's a fantastic thing to do. And now I'm going to start looking at all the smoke that comes up my box. Right, so if we have any Moxa smoke readers out there, contact us. <laughs> we want to know what you think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's this, the true, truest thing with perception and perceiving these things where we can read something through some other part of it is that it's not necessarily always consistent and that that information will come through into our body or our awareness just as it does. And often it's a unique 
experience. Yes, yes, it is. Um, in so many ways, it's what we're it's what we're doing as practitioners. We're 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 looking at these we're, these obtuse reflections in people's bodies and their pulses and their tongues and uh, defining disorders and diseases through those uh, diagnostic methods. definitely when I pull out the moxa that people feel like they're with some kind of barefoot magician, shaman, doctor. Really, yeah. yeah. yeah I see that. <laughs> uh, They've already opened their mind to the needles and then they come in and they get moxa and it's a little bit more magical. Well, particularly for the ones who follow and the smell, they're sort of questioning what on earth has happened in this room you guys smoking cigarettes you guys smoking weed like what's going on Thank you. 
Right. So you stay away from those in general? I do. Yeah, it definitely feels very different. I feel like I'm interacting with a different being when I hold the smokeless moxa and I've had the same queries myself. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, a good moxa really has a, a very sort of strong life still in it. It's, uh, it's a bit different. If you've ever come across really old moxa where it's just disintegrated on its own, Yes, I know what you mean. I have yeah, found uh, a jar of moxa at home. It's, it's just another animal altogether. Yeah. Um, I prefer if they didn't call it moxa. I prefer if they just call it smokeless. Yeah. Oh, that's... Charcoal or something. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I have found a jar of moxa at home that was about 10 years old. And, um, yeah, it was really flat and dead feeling and it did feel really dry it had lost that soft quality yeah yeah it's yes, like you know, that story of the, the, the yin and the yang splitting uh, during the act of uh, igniting the moxa bastion um, that old moxa it, it hasn't had a chance to do that it's like it, it's just disintegrated on its own and really when you do try and split it there's, there's not much left mm. to split Fascinating. Mm. What to do after a long day of using moxa and you're feeling hyped? Meditation. I think that's probably the best thing to do at that point. Mm. Is there a moxa treatment for being over moxa that one can do at the end of the day to themselves? Yeah. I'll give that a go and I'll get back to you. I'll put that in the comments for uh, today's podcast. Well, thanks for joining us today, Caleb. It's been great to chat with you about Moxa. Thank you. Thank you. I've very much enjoyed it. And um, just a reminder, if any of the listeners are interested in attending the workshop that Caleb will be holding um, and running alongside Catherine Cato and Andrew Broomfield. Uh, the details for that will be found on our Facebook page. We'll put a link to it on there and also on the um, on the Heavenly Chi website. But uh, go to www.cotan.com.au to book your tickets if you're wanting to go. Well, I think that's all for today and um, we'll – Look forward to speaking to you again next week. That's right. And if anyone wants to contribute to the conversation about Moxa, it can keep going. You can just make your comments on our Facebook page um, where we post this episode. And thank you again, Caleb, for joining us, and good luck with the workshop. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Pete. And if anyone is interested in the workshop, Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye for now. Bye for now.